Santa Fe County, and welcome to episode number four of the Santa Fe County GOP podcast. I'm very excited today. I have a special guest, Russ Howell. Russ Howell is the county chair for the Luna County Republican Party. She's been in New Mexico for seven years. She's been a great mentor of mine, and I'm sure a great mentor to many people in the Luna County and surrounding areas. I'm excited to have her, and I welcome her. Hello, Russ Howell. How are you today? Well, thank you. It's fine. I'm fine, and I'm happy to be here with you. You were one of the first chair people that I've been talking to since I moved, and I've learned so much from talking to you and some of your other committee members like Heath. Tell us a little bit about Luna County. Well, as you know, New Mexico is a really big state, and Luna County is a very large county, too, but we're sparsely populated. We have, we have approximately 26,000 residents. Half of those residents live in Deming. There's another little community down by the Mexican border in Columbus, and I think they have maybe 100 or 200 people down there. Those are the only communities in Luna County. So you can see that we cover an awful lot of space, but half of those residents, half of the 26,000 are ranchers and people that choose to live within the county rather than in the town. So it's a very large county. Well, I'm guessing that a lot of those ranchers have land that's right up against the border. Tell me a little bit about what kind of issues you guys have to deal with. Right now, um, our county is dealing with BLM, and we're also dealing with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Now, I know other counties in um, New Mexico are dealing with those same organizations or if departments, or if not U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they're having to deal with the Forest Service. So a government agency is seems to be a very big part of any rural county, those south of the highly populated areas in New Mexico. They have an awful lot of restrictions that our ranchers especially have to follow. Luna County has at least two wilderness study areas. And the wilderness study area regulations are very, very similar to the wilderness area regulations. And it puts quite a pinch on the ranchers being able to care for the land that they are trying to take care of and as well as their animals that they're trying to take care of. So it's a big problem. It's just a hard job for them to follow the regulations and do everything that has to be done as to what the federal government tells us. What does BLM stand for? That is a Bureau of Land Management. Hmm. As you know, New Mexico is approximately, approximately, I think it's 40-some percent, 41% it is uh, BLM land and Hmm. not privately owned. We also have state trust land that is governed or taken care of by the state as well as the private. But the private is much less than the public areas. A rancher would lease land from BLM to be able to graze their cattle. And because of such, because of the vegetation here, it takes an awful lot of land to be able to graze at least one, one cow. So there's, we need all of that area. But um, as I said, it's becoming more difficult for them to do it because of the regulation from BLM. Have you noticed more regulations recently, or has it been something that's been going ongoing for a long time? It's been going on for an awful long time. 
And yes, there are more regulations as time goes by. For instance, one of my friends who has been in the cattle ranching business for, I don't know, many, many years, it's been in the family. She says that the wilderness study areas, which part of their grazing land it consists of, they have to get permission to fix their fences. They have to get permission to clear the vegetation of the weeds and so forth. They have to get permission to do any work that for their water, for their cattle, if it is on that land. So it's very restrictive, tough for them. So, yeah, it's a problem. Is there issues that you know of uh, concerning illegal alien traffic going through those ranches? I know that there is, but you don't hear a whole lot about it. I must say that... Um, the Border Patrol have tried to work with the citizens, and they have meetings on a, I don't know how regular, I was at one not too long ago, mm-hmm. and this was with the customs. They were talking about people crossing over and so forth. Yes, I know we have a lot of illegal traffic in the area. I mean, has a, uh, a Border Patrol, is there's a Border Patrol station here, and mm-hmm. I, think they, I think they have about 700 Border Patrol agents stationed here. And they serve the uh, Columbus area as well as the Lordsburg area. And right. Las Cruces has one also. So there's there's a lot of Border Patrol around here. Nice guys, too, by the way. On other topics, um, education. I have kids that are attending uh, the school system here in Santa Fe County. And our school board is left-leaning. Uh, we are under collect- collective bargaining agreements with the teachers union and, you know, for any principal to try to improve their school and maybe get better teachers in and sort of get teachers that are not so great out. It's a big, long process. How, what kind of issues do you deal with in terms of education? Well, I tell you, that's another problem that we have been trying to. We have a group of people who are concerned about our education, and it's not a partisan organization. It's just people who care about our educational system. Well, we have approximately 700 students that are American citizens that cross our border every day to attend our school. And they live in Mexico, but they go to school here in the United States. So can you imagine trying to, for teachers to try to talk to the parents of the children who live in Mexico is a very, it's a hard thing to do to keep them up to date with what their children are doing. And of course, the language problem is a big problem. I mean, they have to teach them English before they can teach them anything. Mm -hmm. And previously, our classes, half would be I understand that half would be presented in English and the other half of the hour would be presented in Spanish. That's awful hard way to try to educate. They need the whole they need the whole class to be able to do the teaching instead of having to do the teaching in both languages. That takes up that takes half of their time to teach away from them. So that's a that is a problem. I imagine that this is the sort of thing that's come up in school board meetings. Are 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 there any active community members voicing these kinds of concerns and are there solutions coming from the school board? Well, yes, we we hope so. We're try to keep up with what the school is doing. We also are opposed to the common core curriculum that is coming in to all schools in the state of New Mexico because we don't believe it gives our students the best opportunity of learning about their country and the things that they need to be learning. And 
I know the teachers are very much against it because they are graded by how well their children are learning. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's just a hard situation. I wish we didn't have it, but we do. So we're trying to deal with that. But it makes it even more difficult to try to teach children who don't speak English. On top of the language barrier, we're going to have to deal with Common Core and cost for computers and software programs, scanning systems, and you know, there's a whole list of a whole list of items that come with Common Core, not just a standard. From what I understand, the standard's not even coming from our local state legislation. It's not coming from our local school board system. It's coming from somewhere in Washington, which which shouldn't be that way because we have our own very unique problems like the one you described. You know, not every state deals with issues such as the one you're describing where we have American citizen children who are crossing the border, but their parents live in Mexico. So that's very unique. And Common Core is not meant to deal with that kind of a problem. Would you agree? No, no, it is not. One of the things that people, the people in Washington, D.C. have seemed to believe that one size fits all, and this country is way too big to fit into one shoe size. We might need to be a size three, and maybe Santa Fe needs to be a size seven, and you just can't push it all together in one big blob. I'm actually curious to see how the uh, Luna County is going to deal with the costs that are associated with the Common Core uh, standard or curriculum. Well, one of the ways, obviously, is going to be subsidies because of our 700 students that don't live here. And so we do, we'll get money for that, but it's still a difficult situation. It just, it's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. I remember many, many, many years ago when I went to school, the school board consisted of people within our community who chose the, um, who chose what the kids were to be taught. And at that time, there was a lot of history and civics and mathematics and English but there's so many things that we have no control of right now with the Common Core coming down. Some of the reading material that they are providing is not appropriate as far as I'm concerned. I just think we should have control of our old school systems. Well, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of, of reading, you know, 60% technical manuals now, mm-hmm. which is going to take away from a lot of students in the future if we go this route to be able to interpret complex text. Mm-hmm. I just think that it is too bad that our school systems are not allowed to choose their own curriculum because they need to know about their country and what the country stands for and how the country was formed and the purpose of our type of government. It gets away from people when they don't know where we've been and where we are now. If they could understand what the point is of this country... I think it would be much better, but our the Common Core does not deal with that at all. And it, it, there's one final thought on education. What, what do they see as a solution to that very unique problem, and, and the students that make up your demographics? Um, I can tell you just exactly how this works because we have learned that if we try to do something as a party, all of a sudden anybody who is on the other side, and I'm talking about the Democrats, anybody on the other side gets their back up. 
But if you join with the community and it is a bipartisan effort, you don't talk Republican, you don't talk Democrat, you talk about the problems the school has, you'll find that people open up much more and they get together and work much better because they believe the same thing we do. It's just that that barrier of Republican or Democrat gets in the way. You have a very good point. If there's any common ground between the Democratic side and the Republican side, that would be our school system, our education system. And I think you have, you bring up a good point that if we if we stop talking Republican or Democrat and let's talk about what's best for the future of our local community, leave the politic branding aside and let's figure out what is best for our students in the school system that we live in. And I think that's good advice for any county across our state is to start at the school system and join together with both sides and leave the branding out of it. Exactly right. It works much better. I have a lot of very good, intelligent Democrat friends who feel exactly the same as I do, but they are Democrats. And so this is not a part of politics. This is a part of our community. And that's what we focus on. In fact, we just hired a new superintendent who will be with us um, this coming school year. And he is from Pueblo, Colorado. Oh, okay. Superintendent there, and he's taken this position down here. So I'm hoping that he can help us get our school into shape because we have lots and lots of problems that need to be addressed. How are you coming together, both Democrats and Republicans, and working with your new superintendent? Well, we had a school board election last, I think it was last February. Mm-hmm. And because of our school situation, those of us that belong to this group who care about education, that's when we formed our Concerned Citizens for Education Committee. And we decided that if we didn't like something, we had the opportunity to change it. And what we would do to change it would find we had two people up for election. And so we found our own candidates that we thought would make good school board members. Mm-hmm. And we asked them if they would run, and they said, yes, they would. And so we promoted them. And unfortunately, and I know Luna County is not, this is not exclusive to Luna County, but if you take a look at the election results and the number of people that voted, you'll find that the attendance is very, very low, which is a really a terrible shame. Mm-hmm. But if you have enough people that care about the education and you're all unified in what you want to accomplish, it's fairly easy to win an election if they're all pulling together. And that's how we elected our two new school board members. You ran them as a slate? Yeah, they, uh, they, both, they both ran and they both got it. And it, it is working because enough people who cared about it showed up at the voter polls to vote for them. And so that's what you've got to do. You've just got to have somebody that is going to drive the engine and get it started along with cooperation for other people who care also. It works. Well, I think that's a really good example of what we can do here. Again, starting with the common ground, education, running mm-hmm. running candidates that agree with what you agree, run them for school board and get them in. And once they're in, maybe uh, some changes can start taking effect. And on top of that, it definitely starts a good foundation for uniting uh, both any political party that you're affiliated with. That's right. Uh, 100% correct. Well, so we're working in that area. I think that's great. And 
moving on to the to, to some other interesting things that I know you have going on. Um, you have some elections coming up. Um, what kind of events do you have coming up in terms of elections and preparing for this year's midterm elections? Well, first of all, we need to get past the primary, of course, and we're very fortunate that we have as many people running for office as we do. We have three Republican candidates that are running for sheriff. There are six Democrat candidates that are running for sheriff. We have two seats that are on the county commission that are up for re-election or they're up for election. And there are two Republican candidates, well, actually three Republican candidates running for county commissioner that are with two districts that are up for election. We have a good slate of people that are running. So what we're going to do is have a, there's going to be a couple of forums that are coming up. The first one will be this Friday, and this forum is going to be a very interesting one because the people who come to the forum, as as they enter, they are given a card, and ask we ask them to write down their questions. What do they want to hear from the commissioners and then the questions for the sheriffs? And there will be a moderator, and the moderator will present the question to each of the candidates for the county commissioner, and the candidates will have a time to respond to those particular questions. The same holds true with the sheriffs. There are, like I said, there's, a, there's nine or the seven candidates running for sheriff. So that's a large number of people. And if you don't come to the forum and hear how they answer the questions, how do you make an informed decision as to who you want to vote for? Right. As you know, I had told you this is a principally rural area. We do have a newspaper, but the circulation isn't terribly, terribly big. We also have a radio station. And again, the same thing holds true. They're all very helpful in doing the best they can. But communication is a hard thing, especially in the rural areas. And this is one way that we can communicate by having these forums. So that is the one that will be held this Friday in Deming at the Methodist Church. Now, there's another one coming up next, I think it's next Tuesday, and that one will be held in Columbus. And the venue for that will be completely different from the venue that will be held in Deming in as much as that each candidate will have two or three minutes to state to give their campaign speech mm-hmm. and people will be able to learn what they stand for there. And then afterwards it will be sort of a meet and greet so that people can individually speak with the candidates. So there's two different ways for you to learn about your candidates. And I think they're both, I think it's great that there's the two different, two different venues for them to work with what we're doing. Well, that's a good opportunity for, for them to get information as well as the uh, candidates to meet, people that will be serving or representing. Yep, that's right. It should be a good deal. Have you done these in the past, and how, how have they worked out? Yes, I have done them in the past. I went to one. It's, it's varied. I don't, know, I don't know what it takes to get a voter curious. I went to the first one I ever went to was, oh, several years ago when one of our um, commissioners died, and so they had 18 people who wanted to fill that, that vacant vacancy. And, of course, at that time, the governor was Richardson, and mm-hmm. he did the actual appointing. But we had a forum, and the place was packed. And all 18 candidates had an opportunity to state their piece. 
I've also been to candidate forums where there have been as little as maybe 20 people, which is very disappointing. But I'm hoping that this one will turn out to be a real good one. Now, they had a city election not too long ago, and they had several mayoral candidates. And I took part in that one also, even though I don't live in the city of Deming, but I did help with it. And they had a wonderful turnout. It was it was great. It, the place was packed. So you well, just never know. That that's sort of my uh, you know that's one thing I'm trying to figure out. It was it what does it take to get voters to say our monthly meetings or our can, our candidate forums? We've had those here in Santa Fe. We had a representative from we from the Governor Martinez's office. Uh, we had the the candidate for state treasurer Rick Lopez, and our turnout was only about 15 people. One of the things that I'm hoping is that this kind of forum here, maybe through Facebook and through podcast, getting information the way we're getting it here will sort of attract them to, to come by. Something that we did that is working very well. Okay. Um, in the case of education, if you're going to make waves, you better know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so Keith Harris, who's our first vice chair, I asked him if he would be in charge of schools to bring back to us the information about what our school is doing and what they're not doing and so on and so forth. So he took that on and is doing a good job. I, on the other hand, go to all of the commissioners' meetings. And as a result, I really do enjoy doing that. A lot of people don't. It's very poorly attended. But the commissioners here in Luna County have formed a um, let's see what it, Citizens Advisory com Committee, one for natural resources, which includes the land and which would include like BLM, and we have a uh, South Line transmission line is wanting to come through, so we're looking into that. And I joined that that advisory committee, and I also joined the Endangered Species Advisory Committee. And right now, U.S. Fish and Wildlife wants to introduce <clears throat> Mexican gray wolf in our area, which is ludicrous because they can't survive here. But uh, I know about that, and I can spread the information because I know it's right, because I've been there, I attended, and I paid attention. And so each party, I think, has to have somebody who's willing to take on some portion of their local government, maybe not as an officer or anything like that, but somebody who needs to pay attention to what goes on in their community so they can relay the information back to their people who are interested but don't have the time to do it. That's a great idea. So what, what do land commissioners do? Well, they're county commissioners. County commissioners, what, Yeah, the county commissioner. They are the highest form of government in each county. That's okay. what they are. They are, each county has commissioners. Oh, by the way, I must tell you, as far as commissioners go, New Mexico Association of Counties is having, they have an annual um, meeting, and I think it's a three or four day meeting, and Luna County lobbied the commission, the New Mexico Association of Counties, to have their meeting in Deming this year. So they'll be here. Um, all of the county commissioners from all 33 counties will be coming to Deming and their spouses, and they have educational forums, and they have tours, and they get together and discuss the problems that they each have as a, a county. So we're looking forward to being the host of that here in Deming. Wow, congratulations on that. Yeah, it will be a very big deal. It really will be. 
So we're looking forward to that. But that's what our commissioners do. They're the ones that set the regulations that have the power to either agree or disagree with something that is supposed to happen. Um, if they approve of it, they can say so. If not, they can they can say so. So yeah, they're the they're the governors of each county, and they have a lot of power. It's an important, very important to have a good county commissioner who pays attention to what's going on in his county to do the best that he can for his county. I've learned something just by talking to you. <laughs> As I always do, it seems like every time I talk to any one of our county chairs, whether it's Orlando, whether it's Frank from Mora County, um, or even yourself down in Luna County, I'm always learning something. And that's why I think it's important to get the mentorship from you guys and pass it on to some of the, you know, other generations, maybe the younger generation is, you know, we, I talked last, last week about our high school students and, and how we had a political day at, uh, at Milwaukee high school, educating them that educating them about the Republican party in general at, at a young age, uh, will, mm-hmm. will help us change the image that we have. And, and even talking to, to a lot of the committee chairs like yourself, you know, learning things about what the county commissioner does and how important those those election seats are and that we, we need to pay more attention to those sorts of things. No, it is important because what they decide is going to affect us. So, right. if, I mean, this is local. This is about as grassroots as you can get. And we can make a difference at the grassroots level. And just think if all 33 counties got involved at the grassroots level, think of what we could accomplish. Well, I'm hoping that this is going to do that and unite our voice as one. On, on a lighter note, Steve Pierce. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Steve Pierce, it seems like, yes. at least at least a lot of us that are Republican. <laughs> but Steve Pierce has done an, aw- an awesome job, a great job of representing the, the people from con- uh, Congressional District 2, I believe, That's right? True. Yes, he's in ECD2. He's having a fundraiser here on Thursday of this week from 11.30 to 1 o'clock. And so we're looking forward to having him here for that. And then he'll go on up to Grant County and up to Silver City for an evening uh, fundraiser. So I must tell you something about Steve Pierce. I do follow what he does in Congress, and I subscribe to one of the, I can't even remember the name of it right now, congress.org perhaps it is, that tells me how all of my legislators for the state of New Mexico vote and the bills that they vote on about the bills so that I know. And so far, with the exception of one, he has voted on every bill that I really wanted him to vote. He voted the way I wanted him to. So I sent him a note and told him, thank you very much. Not only does he talk the talk, (laughs) he walks the talk. So he's a very good representative and um, I just approve of him. I'll do everything in my power to get him reelected. Well, I got I got the opportunity to meet him up at the state convention we had recently back in, was it uh, the end of March, early April? And I have to say now I know exactly why so many people support Steve Pierce. No matter, they're, 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 he's got a lot of supporters, even on the Democratic side, I believe, down in the South, just because mm-hmm. he's he's really... He really represents the people in that area that, are, again, with unique issues and problems that, that he can address in Congress for us. Yes, that's very true. And you know what he uses? He uses his common sense. <laughs> he, thinks, <laughs> he thinks that's exactly what he does. If all of our elected officials would just use common sense as it pertains to their congressional district, 
it would be so much better instead of what we have now. On the topic of Steve Pierce, have you read his book? No, I haven't, but I was planning on it. Just like the plain stupid. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. I, I have not read the book, but I did have a, uh, oh, I get a lot of emails, just as everybody does, and one of my friends is a fanatic on aviation, and I had this email come in with all of these old planes, and I mean they're old because they were the type that Steve Pierce would have flown when he was in the service. <laughs> So I forwarded the email onto his um, office <laughs> for him to enjoy seeing. It was very, very good. It was a good email, so he enjoyed that. I'm glad. Well, let me tell you, Steve Pierce. I mean, you know, in terms of technology, I mean, this guy is one of the best from Twitter that I've ever seen. I mean, he really uses social media to his advantage. Um, one of the first things I do is, is a lot of the friends of mine that are said, you got to follow Steve Pierce, you know, look him up on Twitter and he's very active and he responds on Twitter as he did. He would personally face to face. And so talk about change from where he grew up to where he is today mm -hmm. and how he has mm -hmm. adapted to the social media aspect. And so once again, going back to changing the image of the Republican Party, Steve Pierce is a good example of what you can yeah. do to change with the times and how you can get support from your, your constituents by being mm -hmm. active in social media. That's very true. I have to tell you, when I was born, there was no such thing as computers. Back in the <laughs> Back in the early 60s, when my husband and I were married, he worked as a, a computer programmer. And at that time, his, he worked for, I think it was Case Company in Iowa. And uh -huh. At that time, his place of employment was a huge room. And they had to put on white coats, and they had to put on hats, and they had to put on slippers. And they walked into this great big room that was just lined wall to wall with big equipment and that was a computer and that was before we as regular people had them and then the first time in the 80s when we got them at our business i was afraid to touch the thing for fear i was going to break it oh and my now, goodness here i am sitting here with this little thing in front of me and i just pound on it all the time doesn't bother me a bit but times have changed well i'm so glad to hear that you're also adapting uh we have to um, you know, yes. to some extent, it does take away from the personal human interaction. And I know there's people out there that don't like the fact that we are no longer interacting face to face. But it does take away from the work, though, especially for people in your position where you're trying to get your voice out. You know, it used to be that you have to go door to door or stand by the parking lot or whatever you had to do in the, you know, in previous years. But today you can sit there with your coffee and have 700 people following you on Facebook or, you know, 600 people following you on Twitter and have a website up like we do for our counties, then you now have the ear of hundreds and hundreds of people where you can get your voice out right from your coffee table. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? You should get in your pajamas if you want to. Yeah, you know? nobody, nobody would know any better. <laughs> Unless you ask, what, that Skype? I, oh, I yes. have a little post-it note over my little camera. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to be noticed. <laughs> so, well, you know, um, with this administration, it's hard to trust <laughs> that you're not being watched <laughs> in some way or another. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I'm paranoid, but it's true. I have a little post-it note over my camera. So no, that's, that's, actually a that. that's actually a very smart thing to do. I, I would do the <laughs> same. 
Russ, let me tell you, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. I always learn something talking with you. And I, I encourage those who are listening to support Deluna County. Uh, you, you talked about Steve Pierce having a fundraising event this this week. Uh, can you, do, do you know more details yeah. about when and where? It'll be at La Fonda Restaurant, and it's located on Pine Street in Deming. And it is at 1130 to 1 o'clock. So I hope people will show up. And um, he's a good guy. Well, if you do, if you do live in the area of Luna County and you have a chance to stop by, please go meet Russ Howell, go meet Keith Harris, and the rest of the crew there that are are really working hard. Uh, I think you had awesome, great ideas, uh, Russ, and I hope that we'll be able to talk soon. I hope so too. I need you to help help me learn some more things about the computer. You've been a big help, actually. I've been I've been learning from you just as much as you're learning from me. So you know the way I see it is if we can combine our our, our skills and and this is across the state across all counties we all have different skills. I mean mine happens to be computer stuff and I'm interested in this thing I don't mind. But then I don't have as much information in terms of the history of the state, the political history that we've had here. Other than we've been under democratic legislation for over seventy years, we've it's time for a change. And yes, it is. I'm hoping that this is going to help that change because if you've been doing the same thing for 70 years and expect that something different, you know, you're going insane. <laughs> I think yeah, that's very true. Isn't I think what they, what, isn't that what they call what is it? Um, the definition of insanity. Is, <laughs> right, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Don't exactly. Believe that and that's what it's so frustrating. It seems like New Mexico has been, has been voting the same way for over 70 years in terms of our Congress, and they don't understand why there's not much change. If you really want change in New Mexico, vote Republican for once, and you'll see that there will be some positive changes in terms of our edu- education, economics, um, and a whole slew of other things that I know our governor is trying to pass as well. Well, Russ. Oh, by the way, she's, she's going to be here in Deming Saturday also. Oh, Governor how could we skip that? <laughs> tell us more about know. Tell yeah, us more about that visit. Well, she will be what they call the Pit Park in Deming, I think from 10 to 12 on Saturday. So if you get a chance, come down and visit her and um it'll be it'll be good. Well, she's close to home since she's from Cruces. She's in the she was That's from the Doniana County, right? Right, right, just right next door. You have lots of information. So we've got the Steve Pierce event this this week. We've got uh, mm-hmm. Governor Susana Martinez visiting on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Plus, sure. you you have the forums coming up in Deming and Columbus. That's true. Yes, a lot, lot going on. So once you put it all together, it, it really is a lot going on. So if you live near the Deming or actually the Luna County, there is a lot for you to have the opportunity to attend, to learn, to be active, and help us change New Mexico, and hopefully mm-hmm. for the better. Exactly right. We hope so. Please come. Well, Russ, thank you so much for spending time with me on a Monday afternoon. We'll do this again one day for sure uh, later on so that we can catch up and see how things are going on down in Luna County. That sounds like a winner. All right, Russ Howell, and for all of you listening, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, and we hope that you visit our website, our Santa Fe County website, which is uh, the santafe.gopnm.org, and also the Luna County website, which is the it's the luna.gopnm.org website. All right. Thank you very much, Leo. Thank you, Russ. We'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm. Bye now.